0: Today I'm reading from, firstly, from Revelation 4, verses 1 to 11. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings of peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne... There was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, round the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature was a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, To receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Also, going to be reading from Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all this fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Um, I have a question for you to to begin this morning. Who here would say they love being the center of attention? Oh, you're a bit dissonant. Who hates being the center of attention? Yeah, it's the humble thing to say, right? Personally, I I think it depends, right? I remember a couple of uh, things in, in years gone by. One was when about 15 years ago, I was at a retreat with my Bible college uh, colleagues or uh, friends, and. And uh, we're on a retreat down in Maya River, and one night, one of them suggested that we do this thing called the, the Circle of Fire, which was basically just one person sits on a chair in the middle, and all of the others circle around that person and and lay hands and pray for them, and, and it was just to to bless them, to encourage them, to to pray for them, to share a scripture. They feel my encouragement as the Lord led, and I remember when it was my turn to be the person on the chair in the middle. That I was a little bit nervous, but at the same time, when people started praying and encouraging and just, just to bless me, to be the one in the centre, it was such a, a, a wonderful experience, a powerful experience, something um, that, I, that I actually still remember to this day as being quite special. On the other hand, I remember another time I was the centre of attention, when I was on Year 4 camp, uh, down in Pemberton, Walpole area, we had just done the treetop walk. And had been on the bus quite a lot. Problem is, I get a bit of travel sickness. And we've been on the bus for a while. And that afternoon, I threw up all over the floor of the bus. And of course, in that moment, I became the centre of attention, but not in the way that I wanted. Anybody had this experience? Yes. (laughs) There's something about being the one who is at the centre It's a place of special focus, of special attention, importance, significance. It can be good. It can be challenging. It's a place of honour. It's also a place of responsibility. And in the Bible, we see this very powerful picture in Revelation 4 that we just read of the one who is at the center of all things. The one who is on the throne. I know my, my throne this morning is not particularly impressive. imagine something much, much bigger, but imagine the one on the throne and every one and everything else circled around this throne and focused on the person who is on it. For the next three months, our theme, our focus is going to be Jesus, at the centre, and this is going to be a time of digging into and thinking about and and trying where we can to live out our core values as a church family. Uh, now, a few years ago, we did some serious work on these. We gathered some feedback over a number of different settings from members of the the Billabong people who call this their home and and we had some family lunch gatherings and we discussed these and we thought about it and we listened and and our leadership team 's job was to try to capture uh, in some statements these these core these values that consistently came out in conversation the stuff that Billabong people just said this this is really important. To us, and so over the next three months, on the Sundays that we're all together, uh, including when the, the the as in when the church plant team are here with us on the first and third Sundays, I'm going to preach on one of these. And then on the second and fourth Sundays, the following weeks, uh, here in Canning Vale, at least, when the planting team have their gatherings, we're going to have a few different uh, people from the congregation, a couple of you, uh, share on how they live out this particular core value. And we will together spend a bit of time thinking and discussing this. The team in our Waters will do something similar. Um, We'll talk about and think about how do I live this out in my own life? Uh, how, how do we live this out as two church communities, as part of one family in the season ahead for the Canningvale campus, Pierrot Waters campus? Uh, and we'll do a few things along the way to put, actually put these core values into practice. And I particularly want to encourage you to mark in your diaries uh, Sunday, September 17th as something we're going to do that's really special. Uh, a lot of the Sundays put in your diaries, all of them, in fact. Be here every but particularly that one. So, what are our core values? What are core values in in the first place? Well, of course, they're what we really value. They're principles we really want to live by. If we're to make disciple, be disciples who make disciples, which is our mission. Uh, they're not. I'm thankful that these core values are not individual words. Like, we value, and then it's just a word that kind of make you go, oh, yep, that's nice, but never think about it again. Um, They're not things that just sort of bore you. I hope and I pray that they are, and the intention with these statements is that they both reflect who we are, but they also move our hearts to go, we want to live these out more. Yes, that's who we are, but Jesus, help us to be even more geared and motivated this way. Now, some of the value statements may do this more for you than others. Some may make you go, yep, that's amazing. And others may go, oh, what do I feel about that? That's a good thing. Uh, you may go, I'm not sure. And I, and I want to encourage you to reflect on why uh, you feel that way. Why these things, these five things are primary to our church. What does God want to stir in you? What does God want to stir in me as we think about these statement. So our first value is the title of our series, Jesus at the Center. I'm going to talk about that today. And then the others in no particular order. Uh, we do life together. Uh, that's about authentic relationships and community. And how this is how we th- grow. This is how we thrive, our relationships with each other. Uh, one, of, one of our values is we pass it on. It's about faith flowing from generation to generation, passed on uh, from one to another. We go to the lost. The good news is something we carry out to those who are separated from God and his family, not wait for people to come to us so we can tell them. And we're part of something bigger. Our church, as we've heard this morning, is part of what God is doing in our region, in our city, and in our world. So I... Hope and pray that these begin slowly to, to stick in your mind over the coming months, but more than that, that they grip your heart, that they and they shape your life, uh, and they shape our life uh, as a community together. And for me, this is a really important time for us because, as I've said this morning, at the end of this three months... Uh, we'll be releasing a group of around about 30 people to be another campus of the Billabong, a whole separate church community for good, uh, not the one Sunday on, one Sunday off thing. And it's not like we'll never see them again. There'll be plenty of combined gatherings uh, for sure. But in releasing this church plan, we need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt why we're doing this. Uh, not just oh, well, we're here to make this up. No, what are the core principles behind that are, that are core to our church that make us go yes? We would want to embrace this challenge. We would want to be so confident and joyful about this venture, um, even though part of it will involve pain, because we know who we are and what we're about. And so I'm really excited about this. I'm really looking forward to these next few months. And I would love you to pray with me as we begin and then talk about value number one, Jesus at the center. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your presence here with us this morning by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you uh, that this morning we are here to lift up the name of Jesus, uh, to honor the name of Jesus, and Lord, for the history of our church For 23 years, it's been about Jesus. We want that to be the case more and more and more and more. And so this morning, I pray as we kick off this time that's uh, an important lead up to a really important time in the life of our congregation, Lord, that you would tune our hearts, uh, attune our hearts to you, Lord, that we would be so sensitive to where you're leading us and what you're saying and what you're doing, that nothing else would matter. Be glorified in my words and in our hearts this morning, I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So Jesus at the center, our relationship with and our focus on Jesus is central in all things. This is our first and primary core value as a church. Now, I love that from the early days of the Billabong. Uh, Jesus has been central to our purpose, to our mission, to our life as a community. Some of you will remember the original mission statement of the Billabong, promoting life in our communities. Yeah, got a few of the old timers here. Promoting life in our communities. And there's a document you see on the screen. This is part of it. It was called Our Vision Frame. And it explained what promoting life in our communities meant. That promoting meant being ambassadors of Jesus. And that life meant life that is found in Jesus. And that communities meant the places that Jesus sends us to. In our neighbourhoods and our workplaces and so on. And so our mission... It used to be called promoting life, in our, about promoting life in Our Communities. It's about Jesus, 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 all the way through. But as with any community or organization, it's easy to lose focus on what we exist for and what's central to our being. And I remember uh, overhearing a conversation uh, in probably a few conversations many years ago where someone mentioned promoting life in our communities, but I'd reinterpreted it a little to sort of mean a sense of socializing and friendship in general. And I thought, I wonder, do we still really, really know why we exist? That it's all about Jesus, life in him, being his ambassadors. And we, we read before in Colossians the second reading, Colossians chapter 1, that he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. That also makes Jesus the focus, right? Now, how often do you meet up with a friend and do this? Let's say I'm catching up with John for coffee, and I come up to John, and I say, Hi, John. How are you going? Great to see you this morning. You're looking great. Uh, what, what have you been up to? Looking at his feet the whole time. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, would you? I thought you were looking at my heart. <laughs> And if I knew John really well and was to embrace him, I wouldn't go hug his ankles. I'd look at his face. i look him in the eyes because this is where our focus is. This is who he is. You don't talk to someone's feet. If Jesus is the head, he's the one we focus on, not the hands or the feet or the chest or anything else. You might kiss someone on the cheek. That's where the focus is. So this morning I want to suggest a couple of ways we can be just really intentional about placing Jesus at the the centre of our lives. Um, And hopefully these principles will translate into that life as a community, as a church, as a family. Um, Firstly, we can choose to be discipled by Jesus alone. What do I mean by that? Well, we're living in what some would call the Uh, secularism, or others would call it a post-Christian culture. Uh, That just means the world around us is increasingly not pointing us towards Jesus and encouraging us to follow Jesus. Uh, Once upon a time, it was different. If you followed the morals and standards of society around you in Australia, chances are you were living a pretty Jesus-centered life. That was called Christendom, and that is not the reality now. Nowadays, your average colleague, uh, neighbour, TV show, social media feed, TikTok reel, or Instagram reel, or whatever it's called, I, I'm, a, not, I'm just, whatever, is not, it's not centralising Jesus. Jesus is not the goat, okay? Right. It's like three people who laugh Right, great. <laughs> I'm going to educate you like I needed to be educated. Greatest of all time. Okay. Most people are not calling Jesus the great, the goat, the great. Anyway, move on. <laughs> Secularism has been very successful in overtaking a Christian culture. This secular, uh, you know, uh, pulling us towards individualism. You do you. Me at the center, not Jesus at the center. But it's not been successful in overtaking christian culture because it's more intellectually coherent like people have just been argued that's a more persuasive and better way to live than christianity it's because it's actually a discipleship program here's what rory shiner says in short we are not being outthought we're being out discipled we're not argued into expressive individualism we are formed into it to live in modern Australia is to be part of a relentless discipleship program. Now, what does that mean? What's Rory saying? It means that whenever you're not being discipled and formed or trained in how to do life by Jesus or his committed followers, the rest of the time is not neutral. The rest of the time you're being discipled by something or someone else into a different and alternate way of being and living. So for example, Disney is probably one of the most successful makers of disciples in the world, reiterating a particular ideology over and over again. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, media, music, politics, you name it. All of it consistently feeds a message that isn't Jesus and his good news, but something very different. And so then we come to church on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, and then we do Bible study, maybe and then pray for 5 or 10 minutes in the morning and go, Well, hang on, why why isn't my life any different? What's going on? And it's because we're not being formed by Jesus 10% of the time and then the rest is neutral. But we're being formed here and then being formed there. We're being out-discipled. And this is a problem. The solution, there's a few things, but firstly, where's the stuff in my life that simply needs to be removed, that needs to be cut off. Maybe you need to be radical, a little bit extreme in how you cut off that thing which is discipling you. Jesus doesn't hold back when he says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Uh, I don't think, and hopefully he's not talking literally, but he is saying how serious it is to deal with some things. I think he would say, if a device, a friendship, uh, a relationship, a subscription isn't helping you keep me central in your life, get rid of it completely. Allow yourself to be discipled only by Jesus. Now, sometimes even in the church... uh, we can be unhelpful to each other with this because discipleship to Jesus can feel a bit extreme to some people or the way that it is lived out by you because people people kind of give you that just tone it down a bit look you know make sure you keep a healthy balance son right it's this this sort of like well, don't go too hard but putting Jesus at the center literally means everything else All the other stuff becomes peripheral. So does that mean that we do church seven days a week and we go into our prayer closet and become a hermit? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. We simply bring Jesus into every part of our lives. And this is the second way I'd say we put this core value into practice. How do we keep Jesus at the centre? With a Monday to Sunday faith. Uh, A religious mindset, which is not what Jesus was about. A religious mindset says, I do my thing for God on a Sunday. I do my thing for God when I sit down and pray in the morning. A relationship with Jesus mindset says, I'm walking with Jesus in the real world every minute of every day, in all things. And on Sunday, I just need to step out of that world for a few moments to be around God's people for a reminder and some encouragement about what really matters 24-7. That's how we ought to think. And there are so many ways we can simply put Jesus at the centre of our day-to-day lives. We're going to reflect on this a bit more uh, next week. Uh, Greg and Adrian are going to uh, share a few words. I'm hoping get another guest for a few minutes from outside to share something as well. Uh, but we can make... Jesus, the centre of our friendships with non-Christians, by just choosing to pray for them. not Nothing complex, just praying for them. Seeing yourself as a representative of Jesus to them. Serve God by bringing your best in your workplace. Treat your work as an offering to God. Set apart your home as a sanctuary for living out the ways of Jesus. Put some stuff on the wall if you need to. For too long, the church has promoted this mindset where people are encouraged to give up time doing normal things and secular jobs in order to come and do real ministry, i.e. church-based work, and that's rubbish. You are all in ministry more than I am, in one sense. You are where Jesus is Monday to Saturday more than I am, from a certain perspective. And, and a number of years ago, I, I just began to recognize I have to get out of the church to start doing ministry with my neighbors, at my kids' school, with the, the, with the, the people on my street. How can you make Jesus central to the stuff you do every day? It may be the simplest Little tweak, a shift in mindset, a quick prayer when you step into a certain place to go, Jesus is here and he wants me involved in what he's doing. Finally, I think we can practice putting Jesus at the center when we remove ourselves from the center. We call this humility. And it's been demonstrated most beautifully by And this is actually the thing that makes Jesus great, that makes him honoured and central and supreme. We read on it, this is why Jesus was exalted to glory and honour. It's not that he's, he's exalted and he's central and supreme just because he's the one on the throne, because he's God and he deserves it. right? It's because he left his throne, became nothing, came down to our level to pull us up to his presence. It's his humility. It's it's his willingness to say, I won't just claim my position. I'll put myself in the shoes of the least and the last and the lost, even though I don't have to. And disciples of Jesus are called to imitate that, to practice humility, to serve, not for reward or recognition, just to serve out of love and step out of the spotlight. Uh, The incarnation of Jesus... God becoming a human being. And the crucifixion of Jesus, dying on a cross for our sins, are followed by what? The resurrection of Jesus, his defeat of death itself. And and, this, and the fact that the incarnation and the crucifixion are followed by the resurrection, this tells us something very, very important. God has room to move most powerfully when humility and selfless sacrifice are present. When he finds this humility and sacrifice, he's able to move in, 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 in an incredible way. The absolute selfless humility and sacrifice of Jesus that he would come and go to the cross paved the way for the most incredible event in human history the resurrection. When God finds humility, he can do an amazing thing in our lives and through our lives. There's a story uh, I've heard now a couple of times about something that happened at the Asbury Revival. Many of you would have heard of the Asbury Revival. If not, um, back in February this year, some college students, after a very ordinary chapel service at a university in Kentucky, uh, decided to stay back, pray, confess their sins to each other, 14 of them, and um, it it started something where for weeks uh, people were lining up for hours and hours and hours outside the doors just to get into this auditorium to be in the presence of God because God's presence was so tangible and thick and incredible that it just was like the most incredible experience most people <laughs> have had if they were able to be there. Um, the whole thing, people will tell you, it was very unimpressive. this this revival, this renewal that happened in this room. Uh, There were no big-name speakers. There was not much of a sound system. There was no amplification of the instruments, Uh, just students on guitars and box drums worshipping and praying and confessing their sins to each other and getting right with God. And as I said, God moved powerfully. There was this just thick and tangible presence in the room. As it was happening, I've heard this from a few sources now, a group of students from the university decided to form a process by which anyone who was going to be on the stage to share a testimony or lead worship on a guitar or whatever had to come backstage and be prayed for uh, to ensure that their, their heart was right with God before they went on stage. Anything they needed to confess or just submit to God. Because they wanted, the students wanted to ensure that everybody involved stayed humble and that Jesus was completely the central focus 110% of the time. So they form this little process. You come and be vetted before you go out there. At one point... There was this local worship leader who was relatively well known in the area who came along and offered to the students to give them a bit of a break from leading worship on the stage because this thing was 24 7. And some of the poor college students are on the guitar, like their fingers are bleeding because they're up there hour after hour after hour. So this worship leader comes along and he said, Look, I'm happy to give you guys a break. I'll come lead worship for a while. It's all very, you know, stripped back. Um, So he goes backstage where this process is happening. The students pray for him, make sure your your heart was right with God. Then he goes out to lead a worship set. A few minutes later, one of the students from that backstage room comes out to him on the stage, gently pulls him aside and says, hey, look, I'm sorry, but I I just sense that your heart's not right with God for some reason. I think you need to get off the stage. This is one of the students, and this guy's like a well-known local worship leader. And the guy goes... Yeah, I think you're right, actually. And he leaves. This was the sort of thing, that kind of humility and and just... Actually, it's got to be all about God completely, 110%. That was the sort of thing that marked a move of God that continues to have an impact globally. And mark my words, in 10 years' time, people will be pointing back to those few weeks and saying, look at the kingdom impact this has continued to have across the church and across the world. Stuff is happening all over the place now that's all been sparked by that couple-week of event. When we bring a spirit of humility... More of Jesus, less of me. God has room to move in an incredible way. The students at Asbury understood this. Even a hint of pride or hard-heartedness would repel the presence of God. And so we need to ask ourselves, where do you and I need to remove ourselves from the center to get out of the spotlight, to ensure Jesus is the focus 100%? So... Three things, and I hope this is helpful, be discipled by Jesus alone, a Monday to Sunday faith, and a spirit of humility, removing ourselves from the center. Hopefully there's a good start to making Jesus central. Now some of you might be thinking, okay, cool, like that's that's great, Luke, but shouldn't some of our core core values be things like the Bible? I mean, obviously Jesus is central. That's, that's a given, but we need to value God's word. Others might be going, well, what about prayer? Do we need to make prayer central? And I would say, yes, these are, course are incredibly valuable things, things we need to keep our focus on, but prayer, whilst absolutely crucial, is not the focus. The Bible and its authority to point us to Jesus is absolutely important, but it's not the focus. Saying we give value uh, and, and, and our focus, our greatest value to the Bible is like me coming up to you and saying, John, have you read The Lord of the Rings? Have you seen this, these, this series? I mean, the way the, the font is printed on the page is just so beautiful. Have you seen the artwork on the, on the front? The, the way the book just feels weighty in my hand, it's just brilliant. What's that? Frodo. Who's Frodo. <laughs> Right, It's like focusing on the book itself, not the story, that, 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 what's actually within it. That's the focus, though. If we give our focus and, and our attention and our greatest value to prayer, it's like being at dinner with friends who you get along with and you laugh with, but focusing on the conversation, focusing on the tone and the language and the, the, the verbs and the adverbs and the nouns that they're using. That's not what we do. When we're at dinner with friends, we focus on the people we're with. We just have conversation. We we laugh and we talk and we come away going, that was great spending time with that person. Jesus is the focus of prayer. Jesus is the center of the Bible. And so he is the one we value, that he's at the center of all things. But here's why I think... It's most important that we put Jesus at the centre of our lives. Imagine you just bought a vacuum cleaner. These ones are great value, by the way, uh, from Bunnings, battery-powered, same battery. Anyway, Um, you fire it up, and then you take your dirty clothes from the washing basket that have a few stains on them, and maybe you're a bit smelly, and you turn on the vacuum cleaner, and you try to clean your clothes and then you give them the sniff test and nothing's changed and you go hang on a minute this isn't working <laughs> no the, BL, the, the stains are still there right the, the, the food that I spilled at dinner what this vacuum cleaner is useless it's not working what's the problem it's not meant for that that's not what a vacuum cleaner is for It's made for cleaning the dirt off of the floor, not for cleaning the stains out of your clothes. We can give our attention. We can give our devotion, our worship to all sorts of things in this world. But we're not made for those things. We're not made for that. We're made for this scene we read from Revelation 4. To be circled around the throne, bowed down to Jesus. And this picture in Revelation that we read is simply a picture of what we're made for, becoming a reality in the fullest sense, where Jesus is at the center and all of us are experiencing the joy, the peace, the life, the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the wholeness that we long for every day because we've finally found our purpose. This is who we're meant to be. The only issue is that until we get to that place around his heavenly throne, we continue to dethrone him. This year, this week, even this morning, every single one of us, in something we've said, in something we've thought, in something we've done, or in my case, all three, have taken Jesus off the throne and put ourselves there instead. And we can do this in big ways. We can do this in small ways, in small decisions, where we say, it's my call, it's my choice, it's my way. Me at the centre, right? It's the first sin, it's the primary sin, it's the original sin. And all it does is makes us the vacuum cleaner trying to clean stains out out of a shirt. We're not made for the throne. And so it doesn't work. We sit here and we lose our joy and we lose our peace and we lose our contentment because it's not what we're for. And here's the reality. No matter how much we try to sit here, Jesus is central in all things. No matter what we do, he's in all and through all and over all and above all. And all things have been created through him and for him. There's, there's not even anything you and I can do to change how much he's present, uh, how much how loving he is, how good he is. We can do nothing to change any of that. Nothing we can, There's nothing we can do to be any further from him or any closer to him except for one thing. Choose. We can choose to make the reality of his centrality our reality. We can choose not to resist his centrality and his supremacy. And if you're in a place this morning where you are going, okay, that sounds great, but you're unsure why you should bow down to a king, a ruler, a person on a throne who's sitting there and demanding your worship, here's why. If we keep reading on the next, to the next chapter in Revelation 5, we read what John saw in this vision. This, this one sitting on the throne. Everyone circled around. But then he says this, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing where? At the center of the throne. At the center of the center. And everyone around the throne sang a new song, saying you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and, t- and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will what reign on the earth. The one who sits on the throne is the one who left his throne in heaven to come and die for the one he loved, for you, for me. The greatest expression of love, to die in the place of another so that instead of being separated from God, the one we're made to worship, we'd be brought back to that heavenly place. We'd be given a seat of honour in his presence. Jesus doesn't want you to bow down to him with your life so that he feels powerful and special. Oh, look at me. I'm glad everybody else is subservient. No, he wants you to bow down and be with him because he just wants to be with you. He has a a special seat for you to rule and reign with him for all eternity. And he's left his throne and done what he's done because he loves you. Because he loves me. And so my question this morning is, will you put him back at the center of your life today? We've all walked away, even in the last week. Will you put him back at the center in all things, in every way, no matter how radical others may think you are, no matter how much they think, oh my goodness, can you just tone it down a bit? Will you put him at the center? Jesus at the center in every part of your life. We're going to sing, we're going to worship, and pray, and uh, and just allow some space to put Jesus at the centre again this morning. So if the team want to come up. Father, we thank you this morning that we get this opportunity to make you central in all things. And Lord, we're not in that scene in Revelation 4 yet, uh, where we're all just bowed down, worshipping you 24-7. Lord, there's uh, stuff you've put us on this earth to do. Brokenness you've caught us to to combat and to make a difference in. Lord, we want the reality of that picture and the throne room of God to be our reality. You central in every, everything, every minute of every day. Help us to do that, we pray.